Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. And today we're going to the huge community of Waynesboro, Virginia, <laughs> to talk to Len about his business and other things that he's doing. So welcome, Len. Tell me about your academic background. Hi, Peter. Um, I have a business uh, management degree that I earned from University of Lowell, which is uh, now called the University of Massachusetts Lowell. It, it combined with that. Um, and then I've worked in the IT industry since the uh, late 70s, basically. It's been my primary background, okay, um, working so for several different computer companies. Well, I was just going to say that. Just give us yeah. an example of, say, three or four of the companies that you've worked for. What so I, I started, uh, yeah, I started my career at Centronics Data Computer, which was the uh, printer manufacturer in, based in New Hampshire. I'm, I'm originally from the Boston area. And um, Centronics developed the patents for the dot matrix printing technology. Um, and then I, I actually worked for another company called Applicon, which was a division of Schlumberger, part of their computer aid systems division. And uh, Applicon manufactured and sold uh, CAD CAM equipment across all the different disciplines, uh, manufacturing and uh, integrated systems, architecture. Um, basically, they covered everything. Um, I ended up back at Centronics when um, they were purchased by an old GE division called Genicom which is based here in Waynesboro, Virginia, which brought me down to Waynesboro. This is how I got to Virginia. So um, worked there for a couple of years. And then in 1991, I left Genicom and started an IT services company based here in, in Waynesboro, Virginia. We serviced, uh, provided IT services. We were, we were considered what's called a systems integrator. We supported IBM sites up and down uh, the mid-Atlantic area from uh, North Carolina, up to Maryland, out to the, the East Coast, out to West Virginia, um, and did, you know, Fortune 500 and larger companies primarily. And then in, in 2012, I was recruited by one of my um, clients who uh, was a large uh, manufacturer of gear systems, a company called David Brown Engineering, based in England. Um, this fellow went to work there as the managing director for the Americas, and he hired me on as the uh, business manager for the Americas. So at that time, I was kind of looking for an exit strategy, sold my business, and um, did that for a couple years. We set up a facility in Kentucky. We had an operation in Canada, up in Montreal, and a subsidiary in South America. So I spent um, quite a bit of time in South America working through, you know, with that uh, subsidiary down there. Um, this company, David Brown Gear Systems, has been around since the uh, late 1800s. You know, one of the original manufacturers of gear systems based in England. And down in Chile, uh, which was where we headquartered our South American operation, we supported the uh, mining industry in the Anaconda Desert. Um, so then in 2015, uh, 20, late 2014, I was diagnosed with liver disease and in 2015 left the company and had a liver transplant <laughs> and then um you know on my rec after well i've been kind of slowly recovering from that but um uh, started i set up this this export company called ai products where 
I support the operation in Chile and South America by exporting uh, advanced industrial components for different, you know, large mi mining operations, mining uh, equipment like the shovels and the transports and that sort of thing. Um, and so that's about half my business. The other half I do um, IT consulting and management consulting for multiple clients. Uh, one client right now I'm working with, uh, we're in the solar energy field, um, acquiring land for solar energy companies to place solar farms. So that's been keeping me, you know, busy um, business-wise. But when you're also a member of Rotary, how does that fit in? So, so Rotary, yeah, I joined Rotary about 20 years ago here in Waynesboro, um, mainly because, you know, Waynesboro is, is a small community in the Shenandoah Valley that is comprised of about 22,000 people, uh, primarily an industrial town. You know, for the last previous 100 years, the, the industry here was textiles. Um, so I, I felt like, you know, as a community citizen, certainly having spent time in my corporate life, that it was important to get back to the community. And Rotary seemed like the, the logical choice. The Rotary Club here had been is almost yeah, basically we're 98 years will be celebrating its centennial here in another two years. Um, and so that was the, you know, the, the vehicle, you know, I, I decided to join Rotary. Or actually, I was invited to join Rotary. And um, since then, I've learned, you know, so much about Rotary and the good works that it does in, around the world that uh, I see that as just one of the most effective, you know, organizations globally to to actually accomplish things, you know, for not just the local community, but also, you know, on a more global scale. Some of the larger companies that you work for, was there any element of giving back to the community? Um, you know, Schlumberger had a very community-minded, um, you know, perspective, um, but we didn't have like a, that, that I was aware of a community you know, fun. Neither neither did um, Genicom or Centronics. So you know, I can't say I I know of other corporates. You know, uh, like Dupont, for instance, was based or had an operation here in Waynesboro, and and they had a pretty sizable. They have a pretty sizable community fund. You know that they donate out into the community each year. But no, these companies I worked for really didn't do that. Um, but we were quick to sponsor. You know. 10k runs and different events like that stuff that that mattered you know for the local when, when we were approached well why it's interesting is uh, walmart canada and u.s have a whole department that does corporate social responsibility mm -hmm. that's that's one of my things yeah so, yeah yeah it's yeah so, so i am aware of that yeah so, so having said that Let's move along to this auction process yeah. that you somehow got yourself into. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I've been involved in several other nonprofits. Um, when I had my business, um, I located it in an old uh, five and dime store. It was about 20,000 square feet that I owned. And um, we centered it right because I was a firm believer, having grown up in the Boston area, seeing these companies renovate old mill buildings and so forth. The, Reuse, you know, creative reuse of buildings. I thought was a good method, and involved in the downtown revitalization efforts. So, it's kind of how I got introduced to this online auction. When I was um, 
president of the Waynesboro Club a couple years ago, it hit right around uh, COVID. And normally the club would would hold a in-person gala that would involve a live auction and a silence auction. Well, we couldn't do that with COVID. Um, so I was made aware of this particular software. It's um, a company called FrontStream, and the product is called Panorama by FrontStream. Okay, and slow, slow down. Let's okay, let, uh, let our listeners yeah. get so the, the, the overall company is. Yeah, it's it's FrontStream, F-R-O-N-T-S-T-R-E-A-M. Um, if you Google FrontStream, it'll 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 pop up. And they have a product called Panorama by FrontStream, Panorama, P-A-N-A-R, uh, Panorama, R-A-M-A, Panorama, P-O-N-A-N-A, see, I can't spell. But anyways, um, they, they provide a, a comprehensive donor cultivation um, and aux- online auction system geared specifically towards nonprofits. And they, they've got, uh, I think they've serviced 20,000 different nonprofits. Um, so they have a, an online auction platform um, that, you know, is kind of similar, I would think, to, you know, say to um, eBay and its operation, but a little bit more, I think, uh, nonprofit oriented or a little bit more attractive uh, when you get in there. Um, and they have their website, which is called Bidding for Good. That's all one word, Bidding, B-I-D-D-I-N-G, for F-O-R, Good, G-O-O-D, where they host all of their nonprofit auctions. And so if you Google Bidding for Good, you'll get to their to the auction homepage, and you'll see the different auctions that are being handled right at the moment. Um, and, and, th- and there'll be a nice, you know, description of the particular nonprofit, what their mission is, you know, what their funds will be used for, um, why they're doing this. And then you can click through that, you know, it, it auction if you're interested in that particular topic and see what kind of items are being auctioned off. They also have a, a nice, um, you know, well-organized, you know, at the top of their website, there's there's tabs by categories. So you can have a electronics or dining or, you know, vacations that people have put up for auction that you can sort, you know, by product of interest, essentially. Um, there's, you know, they maintain, I think, a million and a half um, registered users that are interested in supporting nonprofits and they like to, to you know participate in, in these on or supporting the auctions supporting the nonprofits through these online auctions um, so as from a nonprofit standpoint um, you get exposure you know one of the, the key I think advantages for our club is typically our annual gala we would sell tickets to the local community and you know we would sell get folks that would come in for maybe a 30 40 mile radius you know, we'd fill up a hotel conference, you know, uh, ballroom. And, you know, so our, our scope of, 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 of um, impact was fairly limited. It was to limited to the local group. People that came, you know, would buy a ticket to attend. It included dinner and so forth because they wanted to support Rotary and they understood what the Rotary mission was and what we were trying to accomplish. But when we went to this online auction, now all of a sudden we were really geographically unlimited. You know, we had access um to a much broader donor base a much broader support base so you know obviously we you know 
communicated with our local supporters to let them know that this was how the auction was going to be handled. But, you know, because we were using the bidding for good website or auction site, um, we had access to those million and a half users as well. So all of a sudden we started getting bids from people all across North America, you know, Canada, um, and as far away as California, Florida, you know, we ship stuff to Florida, we ship stuff to California, Indiana. So all of a sudden now we're, we're getting support for our nonprofit from other people that really don't know anything about Waynesboro or anything about our worry club, but see the value and want to be in interested in supporting our mission. And, uh, so I, you know, it was very successful for us, um, in my opinion. So what, what uh, payment method did you use then? I'm sorry, say it again? How did people pay for the, uh, the product? So, the, so yeah, so the, the FrontStream, Panorama by FrontStream has a payment processing system that you can, you can subscribe with them. There's a fee for that. And I, if I remember, you know, I forget what the fee is. I think it's about 5% though. So they'll handle all our payments, you know, your credit card payments and whatnot. Our club had a, um, a credit card processing system through Square, which we, we actually had a hybrid event where we had an online auction, and then we had an event with a live auction, and we held back three or four items. So the folks that were in attendance for that, you know, we used a Square credit card processing. So you have the option to either link your own credit card processing system or you can utilize their system, and they'll collect the funds and uh, forward the monies to you. So in the case of your club, how did you find the items for auction? So that's a great question. So, uh, you know, we, uh, of course, our membership, this was our major, this has always been our annual major fundraising event. So our members were fairly much tuned into the whole concept of collecting um, auction items. So we tasked the membership with, you know, the responsibility to go find donors. Um, and so most, you know, as a typical Rotary Club, you know, is typically comprised of business owners and, you know, management of larger companies and so forth. They have connections and, and abilities to pull stuff in. So they would go to their, you know, base of influence or sphere of influence and collect stuff. So, you know, being in the Shenandoah Valley, we wanted to concentrate on local stuff because people from outside the region have a real interest in purchasing local items from the Shenandoah Valley. So gift baskets and things like that from local businesses, um, food goods and wine and, you know, jellies and jams and things like that. But then um, we also had, you know, one a local uh, electronics store donated um a whole bunch of Apple, you know, iPads and, and Apple, you know, credit cards and things, you know, prepaid cards to buy stuff with, headphones. Um, we had a, a couple of uh, well-known, nationally known, uh, actually internationally, this one particular artist, Linda Patrick, has got an actual global exposure, but she's a local artist here. She's always been a big supporter of um, our Rotary Club, and there were several prints, signed prints by her that she donated. And those were the ones that some of the, you know, there's collectors out there. So we had to ship some of that out to the West Coast because they, they were trying to fill in their collection. You know, so it was basically outreach going out and um, soliciting items from everybody you kind of knew. And some people just, 
had items at home that they felt like it was time to donate. And so they donated it, you know, so it was a combination of things. How about the shipping process? The shipping process. Yeah, so the shipping, yeah, so that, so one of the challenges, you know, when you're running this thing, and I actually was the guy that was doing this, uh, you got to collect all those items, and then you got to ship it out. So, you know, things that are like a voucher, for instance, or certificate, you know, folks had, you know, vacation homes on the North Carolina coast, and they would put it up, you know, a week's vacation at their house or so forth. That was pretty simple. We put a flyer together, and I would mail it to them. Now these photo, these these you know nice prints, Linda Patrick prints. You know I had to go down to the local UPS place and and specially pack it. Now one of the things you can you can specify in your auction is that the shipping you know arrangements are the responsibility of the of the auction or the uh, the winner the you know the the bidder that wins. So we would I would arrange for the shipping, but they they would pay that extra fee. After I went to UPS and found out what the fee was, then you know they they made good on it. So yeah, there's a little bit of a logistics thing there. Um, and if you had a lot of items, you know, obviously that could be quite a bit. But uh, being an exporter, it wasn't a big deal for me to ship this stuff out. But uh, certainly something to consider when you put if you decide to do one of these. So if an organ a nonprofit wanted to do this process, yeah, do you have a manual. Yeah, so, right, so um, if they're interested and they want to use this software, um, the the first step, if you go to their website, that's FrontStream, and say, I want to do an auction, they'll ask you to fill out a contact form, and they'll set up an appointment, uh, you know, an online uh, meeting to understand what your needs are, understand your nonprofit, what your mission is, what your intents are, uh, they'll they'll quote you a price. You enter into their agreement. They 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 charge an annual subscription, so it's a one-time flat fee um, for the auction itself. And you get access to their platform, and you can run as many auctions auctions as you want, or you can <laughs> stand to handle throughout the year. Um, and then they assign you a project manager, and so they provide some hands. There's a lot of online. Uh, manuals and educational help stuff that you can do, but they actually assign you a person and you get, I think a total of like six hours of, of handholding type of step-by-step. So they'll take you through the process, start to finish. um, And they're there for you if you have questions and whatnot. So I found that the onboarding process was, was pretty complete and they were very, uh, very, very effective. Um, I've got, unfortunately, I've got some IT skills, so some of this stuff wasn't real hard for me to to get, get get you know, adapt to, because um, you have to create your own web page. Uh, but again, they have a beautiful um, object-oriented, you know, design tool that it's really simple for you to drop and dra- drag and drop stuff in there. So, you know, if, if you're not familiar with designing web pages, their templates are very effective and they're very easy to use. And it actually gives you a little bit of a novice attempt at learning how to do a website. Um, so yeah, the handholding, the, the ons, you know, the, the, the assigned technical advisor um, really was, I think that the made the difference between succeeding and not, you know, for sure. I can see some of the nonprofits that I'm connected to would be very interested. Yeah. 
So yeah, and they'll take they'll take you through the timeline. I mean, the the key thing is to, and they'll stress this to to give yourself enough time so that your auction gets up there and people can start building excitement and interest in your products. You know, weeks before you actually hold the auction. Well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. How far in advance of the actual oh. auction would you plan it? So Waynesboro, we, we did it in a three-month window, and I'll tell you up front that I didn't think that was enough time. Um, so uh, the, the suggestion I'm making to the E-Club of Innovation when, when we talk about that is a six-month window. I think you need, you know, you really need that first three months to – Organize your team, get everybody on board, understanding what the what's really going to be required. Um, you you know I would strongly recommend that you appoint a uh, a person or two to go chase items and a person or two to um, work on on the uh, website. Just you know descriptions and collecting images and you know the key thing with an auction is just like any kind of branding or retailing operation. You want your stuff to be interesting and enticing and want people to want to buy it. Uh, most people don't know how to write that stuff, so you need somebody that can, you know, wordsmith it properly. Um, if it's a manufactured good that's coming off somebody's website, it's real simple to cut and paste it in. Um, so, yeah, that, that first three months is pulling your team together, getting a plan in place, developing your, you know, your, your, uh, got your, your milestones, Three months out is when you should be pushing that auction. So you're you're collecting your images, you're starting to post them online, you're doing a coming soon notice on the on the uh, bidding for good site saying there's an upcoming auction to support this worthy cause, whatever it is, what your whatever your mission is in your organization. Two months out, you should have your items up and ready to go, so that people can get a, pre a preview of it, and then one month out. Um, you, you can go live um, it, with a you know three to four week countdown. Now the reality of it is, the the last forty eight hours is where the action is, right? So the first couple of weeks, you may see some activity, people looking at it and so forth. But you know people may make low bids just to see if there's interest or who else is interested. But you know as as with any auction, the last you know sixty minutes or thirty minutes is craziness is where every if somebody's got an eye on something they start you know going crazy on it but the reason why you want to expose this a month out is so that um, you can expand your reach as much as possible you know through social media your own you know personal reach if, if another thing that I would suggest is to you know obtain corporate sponsors to help you with this um, with this website or with this auction because a corporate sponsor gives you legitimacy and credibility. It also helps offset that fixed cost or maybe even generate some donation money, which is probably what's going to happen, or, or products to donate. But more importantly, they have a sphere of influence, and if they're bought into this, they're going to share your auction with all of their people, whether it's their employees or customers or or whatnot. So it's another way for you to, to compound, exponentially compound, your reach, you know, anything with, with electronic and social media, it's all about the numbers. It's all about how many people you can get out to. Um, and that's why that 30 day window is so important. <laughs> Excuse me. So that you can start building that excitement and, and interest and, you know, virality, if you will. And again, it's all about promotion. So, you know, how you word it, 
how you, you know, articulate your mission. Um, all that matters. All that matters. So in your case with your club, how much money were you able to raise? We netted, you know, about $6,000 in total. Um, again, that was with a short window. And that's why I think that, you know, we, we tried to pull it off in a 90-day window. And we really needed more time than that. I think we could have done better. Um, but again, I think, you know, a good half of that came from folks that were not in this local area. You know, so I think the big win for us was the fact that because it was COVID, we couldn't have an in-person gala. A lot of the folks that would typically attend that were too concerned about coming to anything in person anyways, and weren't necessarily the electronic, you know, weren't really clued into online stuff as much as the younger folks were. You know, so we were able to supplement that with um, or make up that lack of what would have been a lack of uh, exposure through folks that were just not from here, you know. So one thing I'm going to throw at you as a skeptic, $6,000 doesn't sound like a lot of money for a heck of a lot of work. Yeah. So the, the total fundraiser we held ended up with about 15000 Um So, yeah, we had about, I'd say, 30 items, you know. Um, oh, and again, it, it, you know, it had to do with the fact that, you know, we just didn't have a lot of time. You know, we, we were kind of pushed up against a short time frame. So, I, you know, the more rocks, more items you get, the more better items they are, the, the wider you're able to push it out there, the better off you are. I think we should have had a second auction, honestly, later in the year. Um, but we never we never pulled it off, you know. Okay. Well, it's a fascinating concept. And I want to thank you for your time and doing this podcast. You're welcome. Happy to do it.